Welcome to another sport project. This time there is only three in the hot seat today. Unfortunately, Sasha is down working on his house, so too busy to join us. But my name is Renee, and I'm joined by Carlo and Chris tonight. Welcome, boys. Thanks, my love. And listen, I can I can give Sasha a pass because he is creating the perfect party house for us to go to, and really I know. make it's, a complete it's, it's, mess. That's the only reason he got the pass you, is because we all know we've got a bedroom down there. <laughs> party, no, and what is. a beautiful house it is too. It is. Yeah, it's absolutely in the same stunning. bedroom, though. Oh, oh, I mean, if you're the down there, room's big enough for us all to be in there. Cuddle puddles galore. Uh, we've got a big show <laughs> on tonight. Well, not as big as normal, but there's been quite a bit happening. Um, I mean, it's the COVID. It's the buzzword that we keep talking about. And there's been some huge changes in the AFL and some big revelations that has happened there. But, uh, of course, the race cars start this weekend. We've got a lot of stuff happening in the NRL with some huge hits. I don't know how some people aren't going to get some new dentures after the weekend. Of course, as I mentioned, the AFL and someone has called out Mike Tyson. We've been waiting to find out when he is getting back in the ring. So could we have the answer to that? That is happening later on in the show. But, gents, there, there was a pretty big tribute that happened today uh, in the NASCAR as well. Chris, uh, you were mm. pretty privy to that. Yeah, a young fellow, Bubba Watson. Um, obviously, with all of the COVID going on and the Black Lives Matter marches that have been going absolutely global at the moment, um, a, a disgusting a disgusting thing has happened to poor Bubba Watson. He's gone back to his, his, his home garage and um, found a noose hanging in oh. there. Now, yeah, NASCAR have came out and, and been fully supportive of him. As you can imagine, that must just must put the shakes up absolutely anybody. But the FBI are involved. They still have no idea who's actually done it yet. But the beautiful thing to come out of this, and, and, and obviously here on the show we don't condone racism in any way, shape or form. I think it's absolutely disgusting. Um, but poor Bob Watson has been a victim of that once again. Now, the FBI have got involved and um, I'm trying to reassure people that they will get to the bottom of this in some way, shape or form. But the beautiful thing to come out of it is the fact that everybody in NASCAR, from competitive drivers to the, the garage staff, to the car staff, to the fans, and ev- absolutely everybody got together with him and proceeded down a road and pushed his car to the start of the uh, NASCAR race. And that they've, put, they've made it completely obvious that they're with him, they stand with him, never against him. So fingers crossed that we um, uh, get to the bottom of this sooner rather than later. And the disgusting fucking animal that's decided to pull a trick like that is um, and brought to, well, Justice. hopefully his knees or her knees, whatever. Justice, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty disgusting, isn't it? You know, I'm, sadly, it, it's, just another, it's just another episode of stupidity from people living in, in God knows what world. And, and it's, it's not just NASCAR. You know, we, we see it constantly in AFL and we see it constantly in NRL and soccer and everything. It's, it's, it's truly is really disgusting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think uh, the same was done in an EPL match where we'll discuss uh, that that's come back uh, from uh, from its COVID break. But yeah, there was a little bit of racism with a plane flying overhead with all lives matter or white lives matter mm. or something stupid like that. Anyway, we don't get too caught up in politics in this show because we are a, a little bit of a sports show that's done differently. But I think it's good to acknowledge that, you know, if you're going to do any type of stupid or racism like that, then, you know, you're in the yesteryear and uh, unfollow us because I don't want to talk to you, to be honest. <laughs> and colours just said it, drops mic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Boom. Yeah. See you later. Well, I guess, what you know, to, to as I said, we don't really dwell on politics too much and, you know, I wish the NASCAR family all the best, but... 
We move on into the V8s. They're cracking on this weekend. And uh, there was some really good videos that came out today um, for great drivers. They don't make good dances was uh, Winterbottom's team. They released this dance because they were so excited. And I'll put it up on our Instagram post. So for any of you that aren't following us on Instagram, it is thesportproject.net where you can get to all of our links, all of our major platforms where the podcast is heard. And of course, the Sport Sport Project podcast is our tag for Instagram as well too. So, I mean, you don't have to say it three times fast like me and it will actually come out clear. <laughs> I don't think you've ever said it clear. That's the best Never. part. We're all laughing now going, <laughs> Mate, the day I do, you will all just sit there and just be like, smacked and yeah, I won't get anything amazing. else out of you for the rest of the day. So basically, I just put the ball on the tee. You can take the piss out of me and away you go. <laughs> I'm but on our um, TV anyway. channel as well. We've got a TV <laughs> channel as well. On Epicenter. Perfect. You can We've see my amazing And it doesn't even line. say the sport project. <laughs> so you can't get it wrong. I, say, I know. I'll tell you what I can, can say there and there. That washing basket's looking rather full, so you better put your finger out. It's not going to wash itself. That's not my itself, washing. You know, that is my flatmate. The washing mine is done. Thank you very much. So. Oh, they did yours and had to do their second, did they? You can 100%. Seal the I always make house. sure mine gets done you first. They've the got to do what they're told. Dictator. <laughs> big, big dog ruins that one. Nine, they even nine, iron it nine. for me. They even iron my hankies. They're like the greatest. <laughs> you have hankies? How old are you? No, 68? I just felt like that was the most mundane thing that you could possibly iron. I remember my mum used to make um, me learn how to iron my dad's. How old school is that? I ain't in socks and undies. I draw the line. <laughs> I ain't in anything, to be perfectly well, honest. I don't like yeah, anything. I agree. Anyway, back to sport, which is what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> laundry, dirty laundry. Yeah. Point. Um, the V8s are back. As I said, Winterbottom came out and did a little bit of a, a jig and dance. But one of the good things that I thought um, came out of the interview that he sort of spoke about is with most sports, there's been quite a few uh, rule changes that have come in. And, and in his uh, context, I guess he spoke about it, how the good teams always thrive because they continue to thrive at the as what's sort of been thrown at them. But now with all these different rule changes, it's changing the level playing field. There's a minimum tyre change. Uh, there's minimum penalties for coming in to change tyres. Their teams have all been shrunk by about four people, which is quite a huge amount when you think about um, the amount of mechanics and whatnot and eating it in there. And he said that it, what it's basically done is when we go in this weekend, it's no longer... The teams that have always been feared are going to be feared again. It's going to be an even playing field, and then it's going to be a really open game to play, which sort of brings me to the point where that whole concept has completely changed the landscape across all the boards. I mean, we only have to look at the NRL uh, as a big one to, to see the difference with some of the teams that have just flipped the game on its head. I've got a question about the V8s. Now, it might be a really stupid one, which I'm sure won't shock you or anybody listening, but... <laughs> Did you know like what they did with the F1 where they've torn the cars down and they're all like two litre nearly bloody hybrids? Have they done the same with the V8s? Have they torn them down or are they still the big beefy growly V8 that you want to go and hear? And my second question would be, it's always been, are you Ford or are you Holden? And now with Holden, <laughs> now with Holden taking like a bit of a back step and not, not producing in Australia anymore, is it still that battle? Carlo, Carlo, oh, looks like, Carlo looks like he has the answers. Look at no, his no, face. no. I, 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 to be honest, Chris. For anyone I, that can't see us, Carlo just looked completely no, and utterly no, stunned. No, I do know. The bringing, uh, remember, there was Japanese um, uh, garages that came in as well, like Mitsubishi. And, you know, it always used to be predominantly Ford and Holden. But I, I think a couple of years ago now, they started bringing all the other makes and models in. Uh, yeah, I know, sure I know. But what I'm saying is, like, in Australia, you, you're either Ford or you're Holden. You know, you, yeah. you, you, can't, you can't sit on the grassy knoll on your deck chair 
with your, J- <laughs> with your pre-mixed JD and Coke or your Bundy and Coke, unless you've got a Ford jacket on or a Holden jacket, is it still the same competitive, competitive market there? Oh, I think it would be. Uh, that Carlos is useless. Been? Hey, Renee. So about yeah, I think he was aiming that for Renee. But Renee, I was looking at Renee and she looked like a stunned mullet, so I had to jump in. She was just like that. I'm not stumbling. No, what I've basically been doing while you're trying to <laughs> dig yourself out of a whole lot of Holden and Ford, I've been jumping onto the website to see if there was oh, any sort of more right. information so on po- um, I'm the room changes and face. the car changes. <laughs> My face definitely doesn't look like that when I'm on there. Um, oh, so you do watch. <laughs> the only changes that I got out of the interview, and they don't have a particular article that I've been able to grab outright, was literally, as I said, the team's... Um, have been shrunk. So I think the numbers have changed by mm. about four. Um, and then there was timing regu- regulations mm. in the pit and also right. tyre changes. Um, so there was a minimum two tyres and the track that they're racing on this weekend was a track that is quite um, brutal on ah. the rubber. So um, there, there was a lot to come in play with how much time they had to go into the grid um, and it would basically make it. So teams would have to choose, um, I think they put it down to say it takes like three seconds to change two tyres and nine seconds to change four or something stupid like it that. Is, that- um, so it was going in, do we change all four tyres at once? Do we change two tyres? So tactically, their they're racing will yeah, be so really, you've really got to pick your drivers. I mean, you've, you've already signed <laughs> your drivers, but I know, I know the, the rumour that mm. came out of the F1 of Sebastian Vettel was so incredibly smooth around corners that his tyres lasted a lot longer and his fuel lasted a lot longer than anyone else's, which in turn led him on to many victories. And then you've got Lewis Hamilton, which absolutely just fucking fanged it everywhere and had no consideration for tyres. <laughs> And no consideration for fuel, and and he just, uh, but that's it. That was his kind of aggressive style. So you're gonna, this is really want a, a softer, smoother driver, aren't you? Yeah. Well, I- well, even, there's even more of an onus now as well too on the drivers to take back. So I don't know if you guys got to see how they sort of went into like yeah, an yeah, e-games yeah. version during COVID, where they were all racing um, over real. computer games, uh, sort of like virtual reality. I, I was like, yeah. wow, <laughs> the back. did, Carlo, so Santa. It looks, it looks made, amazing. This. <laughs> um, but a lot of the drivers came out and said, obviously, when we drive on a track, you have uh, your engineers that step in on different parts. And you know, like your the people that t- sort of show you your fu- fuel. Your use your tire use all that sort of like a lot of stuff that probably in depth race car drivers don't need to know they drive they obviously have a lot of technical Mm. ability um over their car and whatnot but there was so much that they didn't have to do where in this instance with the e-driving they all of a sudden had to learn so much more about their vehicle and and you know what else to be sort of be taking out of each track so now that the teams are shrunk um that was probably a benefit that came out of COVID is they now have this different understanding of of the car and how it works but now there's a hell of a lot more pressure on them to to know all these things I love it even when they're not in school they still get homework and homework was fucking horrible by the sound of it <laughs> you would uh, never well, be a race because i raced in the celebrity grand prix <laughs> yeah, you did. here in melbourne Came dead last didn't you i did oh, I, I didn't that was a few last. years like, back wasn't last. it no 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 i think about 16th <laughs> out of 27 however and this is this is the thing about talking about smooth drivers and and, and others that aren't necessarily smooth drivers we we raced the, the competition in hybrid cars so you can imagine on the starting grid at the Melbourne Grand Prix, 27 hybrid cars with not a single sound. Nothing. Every, every single one of them took off and it was just absolutely <laughs> dead. Sound. <laughs> they, had, they had to put an engine noise over the speakers to make it sound a little bit. No, that's what they had to do. Are yeah. you kidding? And, um, and I remember... So it's like watching a game yeah, of footy yeah, nowadays. Kind of is. Yeah, it kind <laughs> of is. 
But there was that slow <laughs> you could actually watch the big screen when you was coming down, when you was coming down the home straight and driving down the home straight. I was just doing that. I was, looking I was back. watching. Didn't, didn't someone have a bad crash in it though? Did someone? Yeah, Brian, Brian McFadden nearly <laughs> killed um, Jan Runa. They nearly killed. He smashed. He smashed her into the. Um, he smashed her what? into the advertising. But he's a lunatic, man. He, he was my car. At my car at the end of a full week's training and at the end of two races came back with not a single scratch on it not one scratch can't, yeah but you can't bang but, into anyone at the, at the back oh well, you, you did no you can't but I thought I might get someone that was laughing there <laughs> jumping up and down making it go faster come on like you can't get me anyway it turns out they did um, no, Lauren Phillips I think came last oh no she might have crashed I'm not quite sure but it definitely wasn't me but I mean it's just that it, it's such a surreal environment you know you, you get you, we had all the gear on and, and then a hybrid car and it was just I got all hyped up and then got in and just went oh it was, it was really bad but a lot, a lot of fun. I'd, I'd like to do it again in something a bit quicker. And you've driven some decent cars in your time as well, too, which I'm sure you would have loved to have taken oh. to the track, but you have just drove around Yeah, Mossman I would have. Yeah, yeah. With your little puffer vest. <laughs> with the roof and a and music on. Like and I'm a having cappuccino. a midlife crisis. And he's Gillette. <laughs> oh. Oh, funny times. <laughs> Good times. They were the good times. But I wanted to cross over from that rule changes into the NRL. We're looking at Parramatta, looking at their first premiership since yeah. the seventies. It's it's opened the game up for them in terms of some of the rule changes. There, we're seeing that the little men standing up. Mm. Definitely, it's- I think, and I think the referees. You, you can take your hat off to them. I think again, going. I was always dubious about the two referees. Always. So the single referee for me, I, I think it's been been great. The actual eyes are off them, and they're they're making good decisions now. And I think um, you know, I think I, I think it's been better for the game. It's been amazing, and mm. I think they've done a great job. I I tend to agree with you there, mate, because they went with the double referees, but they never switched it through an international code right the way. Or so anywhere international, else? Anywhere, or else, anywhere else? Always stayed one referee. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, in goal touch judges, yep, fully agree with that. Down the line touch judges, yep, happy with that. But in the middle of the park to save all of the confusion and to, to quicken the game up, the, the, there was so much controversy between one referee here and one referee here and, that, and they're kind of looking at each other for the right decision. When you're by yourself, you can't actually do that. And it mm. sped the game up that it's really, really appealing to watch again. Do you know, we had a conversation uh, last year with certain rule changes mm. from the year before and we're going, I actually don't want to watch anymore because it's, it's gotten so technical and so yeah. literally off, pretty much every, every decision was from off the field, not actually on it, that the, the, the competition was kind of getting a little bit stagnant, a little bit boring and, and really slow. Um, no disrespect to people that play rugby union, but I don't watch rugby union for that reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, it's, it's too much stop start. But I find, it, I find it now, you've got the likes of your backs that can really run. You know, you, they, they get in shots, the backs are getting the shots at each other, the forwards are tied up and they play the balls are that quick now. And the 10 metre ruling is still intact, but because there's only one referee, you can't basically get them back for, for 10 metres every single time. So the, the defence is getting up quicker, which is making the attack think a bit quicker. You've got the likes of Mitchell Moses, who is absolutely flying at the moment. He will be a big reason if Parramatta do go on and win it. Um, and you've got the likes of James Tedesco, who just supports absolutely everyone. I'm quite surprised he can still walk at this at this moment in time. However, 
However, folded into a deck it chair. allows people like that, the smart thinkers, the, you know, these young halfbacks that are really coming of age and the smart thinkers of the game to really penetrate that, that really ruined defensive line because one, they're not getting back 10. And then when they get that little bit of an advantage of being close to the attacking team, they rush up a bit quicker and try and close everything down. And that in turn causes gaps as well. I think I think the whole gameplay has changed as well. Not only has it gone back to a single referee, but the other, the other rule changes that have gone... I think I've actually um, uh, benefited the kind of gameplay that we see right now. There's more ball in play than ever has been before. Because <clears throat> now, obviously, just for the listeners, if you didn't know, instead of apparently being blown, it would just go back to one. It'll be a restart. So therefore, they've already got the role and the momentum. It doesn't stop the game. Therefore, defences are getting more fatigued. And uh, and it's allowing the middle to to, to actually play up. And I, I was it was very very interesting li- listening to a few coaches to say how have you dealt with it, uh, and the way that they've dealt with it. He's saying, well, we're actually instead of being structured, we still got our block plays or our second man plays, but <clears throat> we're actually we're actually playing off the cuff a lot a lot more. So the nines, the smarter nines now, are actually isolating individuals in and around the middle, knowing that the big fellows are going to be fatigued. And I think it's actually changed the thought process. A bit similar to when uh, the Roosters in 2000, when their defense, opening defense, when it when it really in your face with Moz and uh, Kalis and, and, and Fitzgibbon, mm. they changed the whole defensive thought process. This is going to do the same. And I think it's, and it's one that's making you interesting. Like some of the games over the weekend were amazing. Mm. Great, do, do great think- to watch. Do you think, like, for the for the likes of, um, I'm going to use Brisbane as an, as an example here, the yeah. fact that, that have bought preseason and tried to build and mould a team which are big and aggressive through the middle, do you really think this is catching them out? Because now they look a little bit slow and mm. sluggish through the middle. You know, they, they've got yeah. a lot of big, they got a lot of big forwards. They've even tried to move Corey Oates from the wing into playing the back, back row, <clears throat> just to try and sharpen things up a little bit. Because if Brisbane continue like this, they've, they've spent a couple of years trying to build a team, a nucleus that can be big and threatening, like they always did uh, yeah. 10, 20 years ago. It was always a place that you never wanted to go to. Yeah. But now they, they seem to be getting a little bit caught out. It, I don't think there's much of a connection there. And, and I think if they continue to go on the way they are, Seabot will be... Boulders are coot and absolutely stressed beyond belief. Wrong with and, that, it will, Chris. and it will be the longest season that they've <laughs> ever, ever endured. They've already faced a 59 nil loss at home, which that's the biggest. They've never been nilled at Suncorp <clears throat> ever in yeah. the history of the club. They have now, and by 59 points to uh, an incredible Roosters. And um, I don't know if you saw it, but Chrissy did Walker. You see, um, did you see Chris Walker's did you see Chris Instagram Walker? post? Is that what you just said? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You did, yeah. We just said it oh, exactly. You guys, <laughs> have, you, have you seen it, Carla? No, uh, Chris, oh. well, Chrissy Walker, because um, Wayne Bennett's contract is up next year at the Rabbits. Yeah. The Dragons are very interested, and the Warriors are interested. And uh, Chrissy Walker said, "Do you know what? I go out on a limb." And he's texting me. He said, um, "Look, we're in a spot of trouble up here, mate. When are you going to come back and uh, coach the Broncos?" And a very stereotypical Wayne Bennett reply was, "What, Renee?" Never. Never. Just as simple as that. <laughs> Never. Full stop. Yeah, I tell you what. The, the, the Never. Bro- there is, there is a real problem anything. at the at the at the Broncos at the moment. I think uh, Sebes, you know, he's done. He did well in his first full year as a professional, uh, full time coach, and um, you know, a head coach. But I think what he's trying to do is he's trying to change too too much too soon. I think experience. You don't get experience without experience. We've said that before on the show. But I think he's, he's got rid of too many people too soon. And mm. even though he's got the big boppers, they're all relatively quite young. There's only a few there that have got a bit of experience. 
and the direction you know he's, he's brought in uh, the halfbacks uh, the, the one from Melbourne is yeah, it yeah. Croft Brody Croft Croft Brody Croft great young player but again lack of experience Milford has never really organised he's been off the cuff so he's, he's got a real he's got a real issue there because people have got to grow up pretty quickly but in saying that though if anyone can do it he can do it he's proven that he can do it uh, in his first year so the fact of the matter is uh, but, but saying that though the legends of the club there's something going on there as we know Gordy Tallis mm. uh, and we've, we should get him on the show and really ask him a question about this but he's made it quite clear that he's you know he's no intention of going back and he's not the only one and mm. there's a number of them now who, who are going against the club which is unheard of for Broncos territory which is really really sad but yeah. that's life not, I suppose I'm not necessarily sure it's an inexperienced thing for Brody Croft he, um, for many years when he was coming up through, he was playing under Craig Bellamy and he was shadowing Cooper Cronk and, and then he, uh, he he had to pull up his socks and, and make that effort himself. And I think under Craig Bellamy, he was, he was super impressive, which is yeah. what really appealed to the Broncos about taking him up there. I just don't quite think, well, I actually know, mm. he doesn't have the same nucleus and he doesn't have the same direction that Bellamy well, would have given say, him. He's not he doesn't, he doesn't have, he players, doesn't have a set of forwards that are laying the foundations <laughs> that they did there and the likes of Cam Smith. That was, you know, just directing him where he needed to be. But also, um, he, he didn't have um, a Cameron Monster. You know what I mean? Cameron Monster yeah. is an, another young fella, but again, came of age so very quickly. And now he's just overtaking absolutely everything. So I think, I think you're right about Seabolt. I think they're trying extra hard when I think, oh, look, I'm not a coach. But from outside of looking in in a neutral perspective, I think it's time to strip things back and just do a little bit more of a simpler game plan. 100%. Renee? Well, it comes back to that different landscape that we are sort of speaking about before. Like, you know, we've got to understand coaches are still looking. They had a, a whole plan. They had a whiteboard and probably a year full calendar like I did for my work <laughs> at the start <laughs> yeah, of the yeah. year and COVID hit and all of a sudden everything went to shit and it was literally wiped clean and had to start fresh. So all these ideas that they'd sent the mm. whole preseason, sitting there putting all their parts on the chess pieces all together where they wanted to go and where the attack was, mm. is gone. And so they've had to evolve like this. Some players have been able to evolve to the new game like really quickly. Some coaches have, some haven't. I mean, we only have to look at the result of the first game of the round this week, which was the Rabbitohs and the Warriors. And unfortunately, we say, we sit here and we're saying goodbye to Steve Kearney, he's he's now out of a job after a, a second poor result for the Warriors. Would you think in this environment we'd be saying goodbye to the coaches? Well, do you know what, can I be honest? Out of all the coaches, Stephen Kearney, all right, he's had up and down results. However, he, he has held that team together and the way that they've come over. And uh, uh, four 100%. weeks ago, you were talking Dean Pay, you were talking Mary McGregor. I bet you were telling her Steve Kearney wasn't even being mentioned. So no this is a ball out of the blue. But do you know what really annoys me from a coaching perspective as well is that we are trying to emulate the EPL. You know, we try to go, oh, well, they didn't work, so we're going to get rid of them mid-season. You know, it doesn't work. There's no point in doing that. What's the point? You're uprooting. A new coach has to come in, and then they have to in, put their stamp on, on on the way that they play. It's just absolutely rude. It's mm. stupid. Just stupid. And, and these people are not bad coaches, yeah? And I think sometimes the players need to hold their hands up and just go, do you know what? We're, you know, look at the Dragons. We've got two wins. All right. The, the, the opposition's a little bit different. But winning and losing are both, you know, they're both habits. So they, they can turn it around. Mm -hmm. and, and the Dragons have prove, proven that. 
But it just sometimes it takes a bit of time. And I thought Stephen Kearney, remember two weeks ago, he nearly played the perfect game. Mm. 98%. I've never seen that. Mm. No. Then all of a sudden he's been sacked. Oh, and and, and I, think, I think from a club's perspective, it looks relatively amateurish too. I don't agree with the um, scenario where a player can understand he's leaving the, at the team at the, halfway through the season and he knows he's already signed somewhere else, yet they announce mm. it halfway through the season, but he's still going to play the rest of that season for oh, the team that he's currently at. Anyway. I d- honestly don't, I really don't understand the logic behind that. And it's the same about a coach now. What, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Fill his role with the assistant coaching, Matt? Is it financially viable? Well, the thing is, is out of that, that Sprung is now who Sharks are circling for to, to employ um, a few other coaches. I think Paul Green was thrown up to get employed by Sharks. So why is a club that already has a coach in place who's actually been doing pretty well now getting thrown mm. in the mix of the headlines that they're looking for a new coach all simply because this sort of domino has dropped with Kearney. It, it, don't, don't you agree though? Don't you think it looks really amateurish and it doesn't look at all appealing to anyone to, to, to understand oh, that you're being um, taken on a role. Now, I think the difference between coaching in the NRL and coaching in the EPL is that you're not going to sign a Jose Mourinho contract for over five years worth, probably 60 million. You're not going to do that. You want a little bit of security for yourself, and a lot of them have families. And if you're going to uproot your family and take them to the likes of New Zealand or Kearney's going to go to um, the Sharks or whatever, you, you would hope to have that little bit of stability. And, and financially, it's not going to be viable for you to do that without that touch of a security uh, side to it. So I'm, I think a lot of clubs are going to really struggle to get someone to step up and take this job. One, at this time, you don't know the, you don't know the actual future of the sport, even so. Especially at the Warriors, there's been well, so they much needed turnover in the last couple of years there as mm. well. One team that needed stability <clears throat> is them. And I, I think, I'm not joking when I say this, I think Blake Green and Cody Nicarima are amazing halfbacks. I think they've got a real good halfback pair in there that can take mm. them forward. Adam Blair's there. You know, I just I think they've got a really uh, Roger Tuvakashe Tuvava. I can't even say his name. RTS. There we <laughs> go. RTS. Um, you know, they've got the <laughs> yeah, there got, you go. uh, the, the, the quality <laughs> spine, and I think <clears throat> you know, I think Stephen Kearney would have got the best out of him. Whether it's this year, I, I actually went out and said last week. You know, I, I just feel there's a flavour there if they can get some consistency that they may be pushing to the playoffs. And I just I really believe that and. Um, yeah, and they go and do this. I just I think it's ridiculous. And now mm. here we go with the uh, merry-go-round of all the coaches, and uh, it's just mm. sad and stupid. It makes but our think, sport look. I think it's daft. a similar situation the NRL yeah. as the AFL. You know, if you ask, um, oh, maybe not necessarily because you have got the likes of Parramatta and the Roosters that are looking kind of untouchable right now. Um, yeah. Uh, with with weekend result aside. But I think with the AFL now, when it's been in, in such turmoil and the rules and regulations of each state being different on how the team can train together or how they can play together, I, I really think for the first time in a long, long time, the AFL, the, 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 the title is up for absolutely anyone. And, and you don't necessarily see that all the time. You don't necessarily look at the AFL league and go like that. Oh, yeah. Like Geelong, no, we're going to be nowhere near, but no. Richmond yeah. are going to win it again and Hawthorne will come a close second and the Swans will underachieve and Port will, won't go too well and sadly, you know, the Gold Coast Suns will bottom of the ladder, whatever. You know what I mean? I think for, for once, it's actually a wide open, wide open league. And, and, I, I, and I'm, I'm actually excited yeah. to get into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Essendon have had a little bit of a setback, haven't they? And, and you know, it'd be nice to see how they bounce back now. 
Yeah, well, especially after the weekend. So, I mean, that comes off the back of Connor McKenna returning a positive COVID test. So, as you mentioned, Smithy, like the, the AFL have sort of made it, though, even though in each state there might be different um, sort of parameters in place with lock-ins and lockouts and how many people can be around, the AFL have just gone, no, across the board, this is how many are allowed to train together. So at the moment, the AFL community, if, if any aren't sort of aware, as a team, they're only allowed one contact session per week. Um, and then there's only nine people allowed within that contact section yep. to, with that group. Um, they also have to get tested at least 24 hours before they go into that contact session. And then also 24 hours before mm. a match as well, too. So this poor Connor McKenna at this stage, he has been negative in the first test but in the second test uh, resulted with a low reading of COVID. Mm. Now, out of that, there's only one other player who has to sit out the suspension with him or sit in the COVID Mm. bubble or whatever you want to call it um, because he was the only player that he had wrestling contact with. The rest of the team, he was the 1.5 metres away from, so they haven't had to sit anyone else down. However, the game that was happening this weekend with Essendon has now been um, postponed um, indefinitely. We might not even see that at the end of the season. Um, So there's still talk about when that's going to happen as well. So that's thrown a whole spanner into the mix as well too because the team that played them last week, Mm. um, contact at training, what now happens, where they move from here. And, of course, you know – they're, they're back with their family members as well too, so do they have to go back in a full lockdown? Well, lockdown? you see, the thing is now, with the, with the state of Victoria going into a potential second phase of COVID-19, um, Queensland have already said we're not accepting anybody from Victoria, which means Melbourne Storm are going to have to relocate to New South Wales once again. They're, they're, they're open, yeah. they're going, they're taking everybody, and they're going to base their full camp out of New South Wales. That means they can play in New South Wales and then they can also cross into Queensland to do the same thing. Now, of course, with the AFL, a large number of the teams being from Victoria, they're now panicking, are we going to have to do the same thing? Now, the New South Wales Premier has not yet said we're closing the border to Victorians, but they're highly recommending and thoroughly advising that you do not come to Victoria unless you absolutely, essentially need to. Now, of course... Yeah, with 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 the with the, uh, the challenge that they're faced with a lot of Victorian clubs, they're under the same they're under the same stress now. Gillian McLaughlin must be again like, and then you see Bolt just holding his head, going, "Why me? What now?" You know, there's just no end to this thing. <laughs> um, so I think again we're stuck in between a, a rock and a hard place. We're going to have to uproot everybody and take him again. I was under the impression that Essendon were going to have to sit out four or five players because of the contact. But uh, it seems. Yeah, well, it was up to nine because that was what who was in the group of the contact. So they're still waiting mm. to find out whether that happens. At the moment, the last news I saw today um, was that only one other player was sitting out because they had they had to go back and watch footing footage of the training session to then decide who made contact, how close were they, yeah. were they close enough. Now we need to test them. So for the next seven days, at minimum, he has to stay uh, in his own sort of training bubble. Um, and then from there they'll get tested and go again. And, I like, I mean, these players are already having two tests every weekend. I had one last week, and that's yeah. all I want in my it's entire horrible. life. It is the most... <coughs> it's horrible. Uh, Through the nose, uh, in the mouth. Oh, I've, yeah. I've got no word for it. <laughs> oh, seriously, you feel like your brain and the backs of your eyeballs are getting scratched. Yeah. However, if it's you do nice. have any of these quite, symptoms, yeah. listeners, please make sure you go and get checked. Do not be put off by Renee's um, bad experience or... <laughs> 
Hey guys, I do. I do. I want. I want yeah, to backpedal. Don't get put off. I want to backpedal wow. a little bit. Did you see? Of course, you want to backpedal it because you had Did, a point. No, no, no. I was just, I, I just the hit, <laughs> the the hit of the year Ooh, on Matt wow, Moylan. Yes, you want just to go back to the got, NRL, the big game. Yeah, do you yeah, want to talk well, Teddy we, Tedesco? We, we, we did talk a lot about the coaching and uh, the referees and everything, and we probably missed out some of the major points. Um, let, let's just go, first of all, though, to a DWZ hit on Matt Moylan. Um, if anyone's seen it... <laughs> are you just going to Are you just gonna give initials of players' yeah. names? Well, no, Dalin Watani Zelniak. <laughs> he doesn't want to disrespect well, any players. Get it wrong. <laughs> DWZ. That was from that D with oh. D with his you hit say, on. You sound uh, like Matt a thirteen-year-old girl sending a text. Well, if if you <laughs> did miss it, if you yeah. did miss it, if you go to our Facebook LOL. page. You can actually uh, watch the hit. Uh, it's there. Yeah, what do we have a Facebook page? Yeah, yeah, do we have a project? Do we? <laughs> Yep, we've got a podcast too, Smithy. I bet you did. I bet you did. Yeah, well, <clears throat> if you go on there, you'll see the hit. It was probably the biggest hit I've ever seen. Uh, also, uh, Tom Chavoyevich. Did I say that right? Oh, my manly heart bleeds. <laughs> hey, two yeah. players out this weekend. Not like as in manly, like I'm a man. Like, I'm a. Yeah, shut up. But can. Do you know there's, Single a, there's too, a horrible eh? there's a horrible stat though when when Tommy Turbo <laughs> when Tommy Turbo no doesn't why. play Renee, there's a horrible stat around Manly that they struggle to mm. win. No, not necessarily. They, they, the team held themselves together pretty bloody well with him oh, off the right, field. And uh, if you listen to Jake Traborovic's uh, interview post game. Uh, he was ready to jump in as the fullback. I don't know if you saw his little fast twitch fibers with that little offload at the very end. So. You know, we've we've got plenty of players that can step into mm. Tommy Turbo's hey, spot. I do love the banter between those two brothers. Yeah, they quickly to hang shit on each other. They're Classic. so quick. Same. Classic. No, hey, um, did, did you watch yeah. the West Tigers and the Cowboys game? Carlo, we're off rugby league now. Yeah, we're just right, that one. I just, I just missed, want to talk about one point. You missed the boat. You right. missed the boat. Well, for the listeners, at half time it was thirty nil to the West Tigers. Mm. Right, the Cowboys were awful. Awful. And at half time, did anyone see the video of Paul Green? I'm not joking. I thought he was having a seizure. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Bright red and he spitting had a little bit everywhere. Of, um, yeah, he me about lost him. it. And uh, yeah, it was mad. But they came out and made uh, a fair second half out of it. And uh, the game ended up, I think, 36 20. So uh, I you hope know. it was 1.5 meters away while he's spitting like that. Oh, mate. It was, I thought he was having a seizure. I just turned around and went, Is he all right? <laughs> Like he was I think Mossy even said, check for a heartbeat and send a priest. <laughs> he did, he did, he did. Uh, was there anything from the very start of the show you wanted to bring back up again to Carlo while we're at uh, going back into different well, bits and we pieces? we did miss a fair bit and we did talk. You want to talk about the V8s again? Yeah. or Yeah, yeah I know, but I don't think every listener wants to listen to fucking no. 50 minutes of rugby league. We, I know we could happily sit here and talk All about right, 50 well, minutes of rugby league. Go on, Renee, you do what you want in a bit. Well, I want to sort of... we we. Chris has normally got heaps of good tips when it comes to yeah, racing. Yeah, don't wipe your ass with sandpaper. That's the best tip he's ever had. <laughs> funny, funny you should say that, right? I've got one in, in Bendigo on Thursday. Mm. Actually, don't even know if they're, I don't even know if they're running at Bendigo, Bendigo on Thursday. On I just Thursday. made that bit up. I was race just going to tell number Carlo. Seven. It's always race, race three, number, three seven. number four. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> now, well, uh, listen, touching on, touching on the racing scene, there's... Um, not overly much happening. Western Australia, of course, are about to start their carnival time, but we're not quite into that yet. But over in the UK, we have just Ooh. finished Royal Ascot now. 
of course, the Queen has been in, uh, in power for like 68 years, and this is the first time she had never attended Royal Ascot. She had riders there, she had uh, horses there. Ooh. But um, of course, she normally has a procession down the Ascot Strait in her car, giving everybody the, you know, the wave, the wave. that she does. Yeah, but now she's, um, the now she's at home and kind of high tech. I think she Zoom called in just to really kick off the um, just to really kick off the carnival. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Are you legit? Yeah, yeah. You take the piss? Is that a no, Sasha no, no, stat it's, fact? <laughs> it's a true story. With the Queen, yeah. the Queen Zoom Prince, yeah, yeah. Prince Philip in the background going, bloody oh, woman! <laughs> bloody hell, woman! You sound more like Basil Fawlty than Prince Philip. <laughs> Have you seen him? I love it when he goes, mad Prince Philip. Let's not no, talk about that. You've got, to, you've got to take that off the air. You can't have oh, faulty towels on there anymore yeah, either. Um, but yeah, she Zoom called in. She Zoom called oh, in and yeah. she, she kicked off shows. the carnival. But one man who most definitely finished the carnival in complete style. On the final day of the meeting, uh, our very our very lovable, the jumping jockey Frankie Dittore, matched Pat Edery's record of 73 wins at Royal Ascot. Oh. 73 wow. wins at Royal wow. Ascot. Now, that, that is not easy to do, believe me. Um, uh, Frankie Dittori is still only 49 years old, so judging by the fitness of especially him and a lot of the jockeys that we have riding now, it, it seems like he could be going for another 10 years quite easily. So mm. this, this record of 73 wins from Pat Edery has um, now been matched, and you imagine will be smashed, and I couldn't see anybody beating that for... Oh, for quite some time. What, what's one of the oldest riders, well, like the successful riders, we not ones this, that are sort of... There's a couple of up in Queensland, uh, Jimmy Cassidy and, and Larry Cassidy. The, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, they, um, they're, they're, they're knocking on a little bit. There's a, there's a few still going around in their 60s. Why age was less the picket when he stopped? Wow. Oh, don't ask me that. I don't know that much. He, he was because he, it's pretty. It's taxing on their body. The amount of weight cuts they have to do, the like impact yeah. and uh, the training and stress of it all as well too. It's it's amazing to see such a high yeah. age range of, of how some long they them, still ride some for. Some of them are, are just really genetically blessed. And um, I, I remember having a conversation with Kathy yeah, okay. O'Hara, and I, and I said, "Don't you?" Oh, I said, "Don't you have to um like." cut weight and stop eating. She went, nah, I'm, I'm pretty good. I kind of eat what I want and has a few beers and a glasses of wine and a few cocktails and she can have dessert and this and that. And then I look at Huey Bowman. We <laughs> were walking Kokoda at the time. And I, and I look at Huey Bowman. I went, are you the same Bowman? He went, oh my fuck, I'm nothing like that. No, he's got he's to watch everything. And I remember going round to his house. Uh, a, a friend of mine had a, um, a, a, a Winx painting made up. They, they had this, this beautiful Winx painting of him jockeying. And they said, look, you, you couldn't by any chance ask you to sign it for me, could you? You're mates with him. So I said, yeah, of course I will. So I called him up and I said, mate, can you sign this painting for someone? It's for, it's for a gift, a 50th birthday present. He said, absolutely no problem. Come round to my house. I went round to his house and I had to sit in the lounge room with his wife and the kids having a chat because he was in the mint. steam room for she 90 minutes. So he was annoyed. there for 90 minutes in the steam room before he was oh. going to the track. So this is morning of race day. He's had to be in there for 90 minutes and he was in there the Jeez. day before. And, and that's why you see him now. The jockeys are behind the stalls before the horses get put in. They're, they're so having a happy. sip of water. They'll run it around their mouth and they'll spit it out. A few of them can't even have a mouthful of water, you wow. know, because it, it'll fluctuate away too much. So. Imagine how dehydrated yeah, it's the br- eyes I've done steam that before, and then before not a drinking. fight. Literally. <clears throat> well, you've got, yeah. no, you've got nothing. 
Yeah, I mean, got, I mean, but before a fight, if, if if you've got a weigh in a day or two days before, you can whack two or three kilos in in that time before the weigh in, and then you fight. Yeah, you gotta you? be careful. No, no, no. So this this was for amateurs. This was for amateurs. I was doing it because the weight cuts were so bad. Like I was, I was, I came into it quite late. The the boxing trainers that I had at the time were so old school. I was on a three week juice diet before I went over to the Australian titles to fight for New South Wales. So I had no solid food for three weeks. And then, well, it did. So, and then I was in the sauna every night before bed to make sure I was on weight before I went to bed, knowing that I'd lose probably about 300 grams overnight. Um, and then straight in the sauna the morning of, then literally the only water I was allowed, I would swirl it around in my mouth and have to spit it out. So it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty grueling. We only had maybe, two hours before a fight and then it was in a week competition so i couldn't sit there and and scull water and drink heaps of food straight in between after weigh-in because i knew if i'd won that fight i then had to fight the next day and had to make weight again the next day so similar sort of yeah i could do that yeah it was a shit house (laughs) yeah that's yeah it says it says the man's skull appealing or healthy whatsoever is it still the same situation in the amateur boxing is it still the same now Look, there's a, there is a lot of amateur fighters that are still not educated well enough mm. on it um, and a lot that um, that think that to be a boxer you should have to weight cut and, and fight below where they probably mm. should be healthily fighting. Um, I've, funnily enough, like I ended up going up a weight range and I started fighting in welterweight, uh, went, sorry, welterweight to lightweight and went to 75. And then when I went back to my first pro fight, I was like, oh, I want to get a nutritionist on board so, you know, I'm well on. She basically got me back almost to welterweight, which was what I used to starve myself to get to mm. and made it comfortably. Like I was smashing a steak and some rice the night before my fight. And even as like Taylor was coming up the escalators, I was smashing a fruit salad <laughs> and some yogurt and huge amounts of water. And she probably didn't give a shit, but I was so excited <laughs> that I was eating on like weigh in that I was just like, <laughs> glow, but you, glow, but glow. You, do, you do see that. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, that's a, you do see that quite often, though, don't you, Renee? Where yeah. you know you go to a uh, about where someone's fighting below their normal weight that they've had to cut really hard, and they're like, "This guy's got no energy, no oh, energy. Terrific. He's got nothing but to make weight." No. Oh, like it's it's a difficult. One of our dear friends, Jamie Moore, did that in his last fight against uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Rhodes. You know, two classic fights but he really he really starved himself uh to make weight and he and he was exhausted well, it does a lot of damage it's not exhausted. just like that that well that's the thing like it's not just that immediate energy it's that you know you're doing a lot of damage to your liver and your kidneys and your metabolism like it took me a long time to recover after yeah. i did that yeah. full starve <laughs> starve session and as i said it just it mentally troubled me to i couldn't even enjoy like a sauna or a bath for years after because every time i felt like it was punishment if i was to go into any of those things it was not relaxing in any way, shape, or form. Mm. So, but again, as it comes down to boxing being mm. so so old school, and so many people that are in coaching positions, unfortunately, haven't done coaching yeah. courses. They haven't done nutrition courses. They've just come through from being a boxer as a kid themselves. So everything's yeah. so so old school, and that's just what they continue to drum in. So there needs to be a lot more education. I know my coach um, and the group that he has out at the Grange, uh, he, he's phenomenal with it. Like he's really big on finding out different ways about it. He's, he's big on um, all the athletes having a nice build-in going mm. into a thing. So making sure that, you know, they check their weight every single week mm. in a boxing camp. So mm. it's not getting to like two weeks <laughs> out and going, shit, we've got 15 kilos to, to lose, you know. And I've seen it done before. Daniel Lewis, who's a 
who's just gone pro in the in the last couple of years, he was one fighter where I've literally seen like drip ten kilos off him in two mm. days, and it was sounds like me before insane. I get ready for a catwalk. Like, yeah, yeah. That, no, you got you got about you know, you've got three days, plenty of time. I dropped nine kilos in three yeah. days, but I mean <laughs> exactly. we're only a couple of days away, Renee. Some very interesting boxing which you and I are looking for. Exactly. The very the, the Maloney boys. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching the Jason and Andrew Maloney brothers. Yeah, one's tomorrow night and one straight after, and it's actually on Fox Sports, which is going to be amazing. Um, two young guys and two former yeah. Australian superstars are headed into yeah. the pro game and they snuck off um, at this beginning of COVID and have been based over in Las Vegas for a while now over their training. So um, they're, two, they're two very small but very punchy mm. fighters. They're, they're absolutely phenomenal to watch. Between the two of them, there's, there's only one loss and, between uh, the two of them, isn't there? There's literally one loss yeah. between both of them. <laughs> yeah, which yeah, is, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're quite phenomenal. And that's what, like we spoke about it the other week. No. Well, we spoke about it the other week that they're both fighting – guys that each other has fought. So they've been watching Tale of the Tape to get used to their opponents by literally sitting down and watching the same fights Complete together. Head so wreck. Absolutely. <laughs> head wreck. I've been scrolling through bonding. their Instagram accounts and I've been watching some of the training patterns that they've been putting one another through. And of course, because they're shacked up together, COVID doesn't really affect them having to train with someone else, which is um, a, a massive plus side. Yeah. And uh, one of the segments there, were, there was a, um, a pretty famous park which has a segment, of, a part of the park which is called Mike Tyson Mile. Did you see that? Yeah, and 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 talk it's me just through really it. no, a hilly run, it. and it's just it's, it's just a mile long, and they're just racing each other, racing each other up this uh, Mike Tyson Mile Hill, and and then I just thought, Mike Tyson, what's Mike Tyson doing? And I scrolled through again, and I thought, I'll have a recent look at what Mike yeah. Tyson is doing. Oh <laughs> my goodness! Oh, I was. Have you oh. seen any recent <laughs> footage of Mike Tyson? He was murdering his trainer. <laughs> oh. And now, and now, and now, of course. Yeah, you sent it to me today, and I've already sent it to her. I've already had great chats with my old man about it. And, and, I, and I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, I'm trying, I'm trying to get my head around the fact that he's 53 years old and he's been out of the game for 20 years or whatever, and the amount of punishment that he put his body through when he finished fighting, and you know, and in order for him to get back to where he is right now. A lot of other professional fighters are saying, please, Mike, don't do it. Don't do it to yourself. You're going to make a fool of yourself. It's detrimental to your health. It's not a good idea. But I've got to look at him on them pads, and I'm kind of <laughs> thinking, if I was Deontay Wilder, I'd be looking the other way. You know what I mean? I, even it's, it's him. And, uh, of course, John Bon Jones has come out now. Yeah. Even he's moving. I was going to say, is there anyone, is, has anyone been signed up to, to do this charity fight? Plenty of Because they're, they're stringing it out. A lot of people have called him out. A lot of people have said they'd love to fight him. But the most recent one that Renee and I were talking about earlier off camera was uh, John Bones John, the UFC fighter. Yeah, yeah. He says, I will happily get in the ring with him. Just out of respect, I've got so much respect for him. I'd happily get in the ring and fight him in a full-fledged boxing match on the provado that he gets in the octagon with me after and we have a full UFC fight. And he says, out of respect, I love the guy. I really appreciate him and everything about him. I promise that I won't hurt him in the UFC <laughs> octagon. I said, getting near him and hurting him are two very different things. He won't even be able-bodied to fight him in no. the octagon after he gets towed up in the boxing ring with him. You'd be like this. You'd go first. Hey, let's go the ring. Let's go the octagon first, and then you can go me in the ring because... No, you're not walking I mean, out of that. Were, were we delusional to ever think at, at any one point that Mike Tyson is going to come out and say, look, I'm only fighting. This is a, this is a, a stone-cold killer. 
Always has been throughout his whole career. A stone cold killer <laughs> that wants to really hurt people. Evander oh, Holyfield he hates knows all about he fights that. Again. Hates he hates them. He, he hates he comes people he out. He said he wants to eat their children and take their livers out. And some of the things he said over the years. So, do you really think he can backflip <laughs> and just have a a, a a nice charity fight for charity? Yeah, I, no such thing. He's an athlete. There's no handbrake. If you're once a fighter, always a fighter. Like it's it's different if you're going into a ring. I guess from a charity com- component against someone maybe who doesn't fight. Mm. So you kind of look after them to a degree, but. I don't think he actually has that skill no, I don't think so either. I think it's stop and go. But Look at his life. Everything's th- stop think, and go. I think regardless of what happens, it's going to be absolutely phenomenal to see. And I just, I just hope it, um, it, it comes as good as, uh, well, as exciting as it's been made out to be. I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, yeah, be absolutely. Well, where we are, mm-hmm. do you know what else is going to be exciting? Carlo, I'm going to let you know that we've only got a few minutes left of the show, so we should probably talk about you. English ACL. Premier League is back, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Oh, there's one that you don't EPL, need an acronym for. In you it. can actually say oh, the whole thing. You was is. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it started, and uh, the, the, the Liverpool are set to win the league if they beat Crystal Palace next week. So uh, I'm not going to go through all the scores. Uh, I'm sure everyone's all over it. But no, go through them, Carlo, because I'm, I'm calling you. bullshit. Oh, I don't think you know him. <laughs> no, I haven't. I knew it. I knew it. I've known oh, him. Do you know what? What is more interesting, though, is the battle I've for known the fifth him. spot. I've known him for 28 years. I knew that was bullshit. <laughs> I haven't got the scores. I won't bore everyone. I won't bore everyone with the scores. <laughs> United and Spurs, one all. There you go. But it's more, i tell you what has happened though. In that uh, game, Manchester United versus Tottenham Hotspur, Tottenham Hotspur take the lead. Uh, the, the attacker just wanders through, wanders past Harry Maguire mm-hmm. and, um, and takes a shot, scores. Everyone's thinking David De Gea, one of the, he's supposed to be the best goalkeeper in the world. Everyone's shaking their head. Anyway, Roy Keane, the ex-captain, absolutely scathing against uh, De Gea and... Uh, Harry Maguire saying, these are two players that are supposed to be on top of the game. You can't allow people just to wander through. And he went, I wouldn't even let them on the bus. Now, I've put this uh, on our Facebook page. So if you want to click on there uh, and just have a look, it is amazing. Chris doesn't even know we have one, so he won't be um, Amazing from Roy Keane. (laughs) Do you know what? He tells it as it is. And and, and I actually don't think he's he's too far from the mark either. I Mm. think... uh, the way that the, the attacker just just wanders past Harry Maguire, I just thought it was embarrassing. Yeah. And it was embarrassing. Um, at that level. He, said, he said, didn't he? He said, if I was in the dressing room now, I'd be throwing punches at that David De Gea. <laughs> he, did, he, said, he said, I'd be throwing punches at him. It wouldn't be nice. I wouldn't leave on the bus, he says. Yeah. He, said, he said, I'd make him get taxis home. Yeah, that's, that's what he said. But, but he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's still a very passionate Manchester United man, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And I think the way he had an exit away from Manchester United was, uh, was very, very sad. And I think it kind of, in a way, I would just wish him and Fergie would get back and uh, get on again. But, you know, I think he's made it quite clear that he's not going to get back on uh, with with Alex Ferguson unless he apologises. And I just don't think Alex Ferguson will, will apologise. So the, the fact of the matter is, it is what it is. Uh, but Liverpool in the driver's seat to, to win their first 
league title in 30 years and I think um, you know one win away and as you alluded to Chris before off the uh, off the program is that if they play the, I think if, if they win the next game they get handed the trophy at Sitter at Manchester City yeah uh, who Which were the ex-champions be... from, from from last year and uh, yeah a massive uh, a massive uh, kind of jewel in the crown for, for Liverpool because they've done so well over the last couple of years but never really took the title so it's going to be very very interesting but the, the battle for fifth spot is probably where it's at, at the moment and one thing I will say is Manchester City at the moment I've, I've been uh, breached for what they call financial fair play you know they've got a chic Obviously, yeah. financial fair play. Yeah, they're owned by um, Abu Dhabi contingent. So that's right. That's right. So, they... so they were in breach, and uh, because of that, they won't play in Europe. Now they are appealing that, but there's uh, a battle at the moment with Manchester United, Wolves, and think about it, Sheffield United. You know, come from nowhere really, and 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 uh, cemented sixth or seventh spot. So, if you're in the fifth spot and City are um, they lose their breach or lose their appeal, and therefore whoever's in fifth will go into the Champions League. At the moment, it is held by by Manchester United, but there's nine games left and and everything to play for. It's actually quite interesting. Renee's asleep with her eyes open. I've never seen that before in my life. Get <laughs> around us. I'm just sitting lower and lower in my. And that's it. I'm done. I'm done. See you later. <laughs> All right, well, before you go, if, who, when, what? We didn't do okay. one. Carlo, Carlo has this beautiful segment. One. You didn't do one. It was in the bottom <coughs> yeah, of your notes today. I thought, I was just like, I'm going to put the ball has, back on the table. He has a segment where he says he, he wants to know what he wants to I, I don't quite know what it is. It changes. What is it this time? Last time it was getting stoned. What is it? What's this no, one? No, I didn't do it. I, I didn't do it, remember? Because <laughs> uh, Sash turned around and said, no, I'll do something different. And I'm like, okay. And Come then, then he, let's do it now. Let's do it now. Come on, we've not got any time, but let's do it. I thought of anything. Yeah, give me, give yeah. me a hypothetical. Okay. If you could go on a three-day bender, if, who would it be? <laughs> we've done that one. We've done that one. <laughs> All right. I'm going to just come off it then because I can't remember that either. All right, I've got one. If, if you had to, <laughs> if with anyone from the past and the present, uh-huh. you'll get stuck on a desert island for oh. three weeks with, who would it be and why? AJ, so you could train. Oh me. yeah, that's all yeah. you'd be doing, training. Might go Robin. I don't think I need to explain the other two reasons why. I'd go with Tom Hanks. <laughs> It'd be funnier, and he's done it before. Pretty smart. Always thinking. Okay, now. Oh my god! Yeah, and he also lost his shit. Wilson. Wow. All right. Well, that is another episode of the Sport Project. Don't forget, you can find us online at thesportproject.net where you can watch this as a, a vlog cast if you want to watch it that way, if you're not already watching it. Otherwise, you can check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Of course, at our Instagram, the Sport Project Podcast. Yeah, you did, you did. This is the look of right? disbelief. And I'm listen, not, people, viewers, better watch, you better watch the vlog cast because I got dressed up for this. <laughs> I've not been this dressed up in three months. Absolutely. He's in his finest. So thank you so much, uh, both Carlo and Chris tonight. And again, a big thank you to Sash. I know he's sacrificing a lot by uh, doing these with us while he's trying to do a business and also build a house as well too. So thank you, gents. We're going to be back with more fun stuff when we say see you, see you next, next Tuesday. Yeah. See you guys. All the best.